like a home improvement. Home improvement. I've always kind of wanted to be called Adam the Tool Man Born. You know, I don't really want to tell you to call me that, but I won't not answer to that if you call me that. I don't think that's it. I watched Parenthood, and you guys watched Parenthood, that show. You know, it's pretty good. It's a little more modern one. It's pretty good. It uh, features a couple different dads. I don't think that's it. Here's one that everybody knows. It's been running for a long, long time. You guys know it. According to DNA results, you are not the father, right? You guys know that one? Nobody? The Maury Povich show, right? Yeah, it's been running for a long time. I think that's the most famous show where you get the best reactions from dads. No child support for you. No child support for you. Um, yeah, so that's a that's a, a pretty well-known one. I tried to find a clip that I could show of the Maury Povich show, none of which were appropriate at all. So uh, I... I I dirtied my mind for like 10 minutes watching a few different clips and then I decided against it. Uh, th- that show is one of the reasons that maybe uh, Father's Day is a little bit challenging for some of us because some dads are more excited to not be a dad than to be a dad. And so it, it, it can be a challenging holiday sometimes. But, but here, we already beat up on dads last week, so if you skipped last week, you know, you skipped up on the beating. So today, we're just going to build you up. And we're here today to celebrate the King, not Dad, the King, Jesus, the King. Celebrate the King, but also to honor dads. So I wanted to go a little bit of a different direction today. Um, and I wanted to kick off Shorty Rob. You know. um, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to kick off by sh- sharing some times where I have struggled as a dad. Maybe some other people have struggled as dads. Um, I remember my very first struggle as a dad. Um, it was... Um, but just so you know, if you're if you're if you're going to be a grandparent, you forgot this about about little ones, or if you're about to be a dad, here's some truth you should know. There's a difference between baby clothes and baby pajamas. There is a difference. They look exactly the same. You can't tell the difference. There's there, to me, there's absolutely no difference. But for some reason, mom knows that this one is pajamas and this one is clothes you can go to school in. And I can't count the number of times that I dropped off at school and just picked up and put him in his pajamas again. <laughs> Happens all the time. It, they don't look different at all. That was a huge dad struggle for me. My dad one time, my dad lived about an hour from, from my high school. Uh, when my parents got divorced, he moved back to, to you know, about a little further away. But, uh, but we still stayed with him one or two nights during the week. So we would just get up super early and drive all the way to school. So he would drive us all the way to school and then go all the way into work. So we got to school super early. He got to work, you know, right on time. So one day we, we wake up. We get up about 5.30 to go to school. And um, we drive, we make the hour drive, we're all ready. It was just a crazy morning. And we get there, and uh, it's Christmas break. (laughs) (laughs) And so we make it all the way. We get out of the car, and we didn't have cell phones. He starts to drive off, and we like, we're looking. And we manage to like yell, and he happens to look in the rearview mirror. And uh, and then he takes us to my mom's house. But yeah, no school, no school that for the next couple weeks. Uh. Robbie, when Robbie brings, see, I didn't want to be my family the only one struggling. If Robbie brings the, the girls over to my house, it's like this ritual that we have where we meet up later where I can give him all the stuff that he left at my house. And so, uh, so every time I see him, it's like I give Emma a gift. You know? It's like something that they've, they've left at the house. 
So look, uh, I'm sure you got some good ones. The reality is, I'd be lying if I didn't say it, dads need some help sometimes. Sometimes we struggle with the simplest of tasks, looking at the school calendar, um, figuring out the difference between clothes and pajamas, remembering all the stuff, stuff that moms are great at. But sometimes dads need some help. And Genesis chapter 9, so we're going to jump in today, Genesis chapter 9, we barely get started in history, and dads are already struggling. Here's, here's the history up to Genesis 9, except for one portion that has a big genealogy. But except for that, we've, we've been introduced to just a few men. Here's the history of men in the Bible up to this point. Um, first, you had Adam, who ate an apple and cursed all of mankind. That's how we men got started. So he did that. His sons, you remember them? Cain and Abel. Cain killed his brother Abel. Had to go on the run for the rest of his life. So the second man, we didn't do a whole lot better. The next dad that we meet, Noah, he was doing so good for a little while. And then we get to Genesis chapter 9, and he gets this incredibly embarrassing, sinful parent fail. And before we jump into that, I want you to catch something here. That is, that is a truth that goes a little, a little deeper than where we'll jump in today. But, but catch this. The way that these sons that you see in a minute, the way that these sons treat their parents, it shapes their own families for generations to come. The way that these sons in this passage treat their own father affects their children and their children's children and their generations for, for just for a long, long, long time. And the way you treat your father has lasting effects on your future and your future children's future and their future children's future and on and on and on. And you're going to see as we dig in that reality. So Genesis chapter 9, we'll start in verse 18. Genesis 9, 18. The sons of Noah who came out of the ark, remember Noah, he built the big boat. Uh, the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. Uh, these were the three sons of Noah, and from them came the people who were scattered over the whole earth. Verse 20. Noah, a man of the soil, which literally means like a man who has a garden, that kind of thing. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. Read naked. He lay naked in his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. They then walked in backward and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. When Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. So much just happened in this little passage. So much has happened. Let's recount a little bit of it. Noah. Noah's a guy who, whom God said, I can't find anyone righteous in the whole world except for this guy. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wipe everybody out, and I'm going to restart civilization with this guy. I told you, he was doing good for a little while. He built a huge boat, great carpenter, you know, righteous. He's got everything, man, just a real model of faith. That's what he's got going on. And then... And then we find him here, and he gets drunk, gets naked, and passes out at the front door. If that sounds familiar to you, you need to get your life together. That's, that's the next chapter in his story. 
of note here also, the first person to plant a vineyard in history, the first person to get access to alcohol that we read about in the Bible drank to excess. So don't plant a vineyard if you're going to be drunk. Don't drink if the only way you enjoy it is when you're really drunk. That's a sub-lesson within the text there. But so, so we go on. So, so what else happens here? One son sees his dad, decides not to help him. Got some, some problem with his dad, obviously. Maybe they've been on that boat too long and he's been cramped in tight quarters and he's come to not. He just can't stand his dad. And so he sees his dad in this position. And, uh, and in a day when honor was everything, he takes the opportunity to go tell everybody. Because that's what you want at your lowest moment. Right? You want everybody to come see you at your lowest moment so that no one forgets your lowest moment. He takes this opportunity to just shame his dad as much as he can. But the two other sons, they hear about it from their brother. They see it. And as respectfully as they possibly can, they come in and they cover their dad. And they even go so far as to, it's you know, in addition to obviously being disgusting to see your father like that, um, it's, it's just shameful. And so, so they don't have to see him. They put this, this blanket over their shoulders and they back up to him and then they drop it down so that even in front of, even in front of them who know about it, their father doesn't have to be shamed. And as respectfully as possible, they try to take care of and help their dad. So here's some significance. The one who didn't help, the son who didn't help, his, his descendants would be called the Canaanites. Do you remember them? They're the people whom uh, a couple thousand years later Israel is at war with. Pretty interesting. Another subnote. I'm like on the tenth subnote, but uh, don't miss the timing of the story. You know Moses is writing this story um, at a time when the Israelites are about to go fight the Canaanites, and so kind of interesting for them to learn the history of of where this started. But you got that happening. You got one one of the sons who disrespects his father, and his sons go on to become the Canaanites. The other two brothers' descendants. Most of them will go on to be the Israelites. And so what you see here is there's a family feud that starts this day that goes on for thousands of years. Thousands of years, even into the day. These DNA scientists have done a bunch of tests and they believe that, that a lot of the modern-day Lebanese and people who settled in the Levant are, are direct descendants of the Canaanites. And if you know much about that area of the world, those people are very much so at war with the current nation of Israel. And so what you see is a feud that started a long, long, long time ago is still pretty active today. And you begin to see that that when when we dis when when you dishonor your parents, it just flows on generation to generation. So today, I, I, as as we dig through a little bit of this passage, um, I, what I want to do is is to avoid this kind of fate in your own family, or maybe just to 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 do something great within your own family. What I want to do is I want to speak to everybody but dad. And I want to tell you a few ways that you can help Dad out. Because we could use some help. Because I could use a whole lot of help. And so we're definitely recording, right? Because I want my wife to hear this, you know? All right. Uh, I want some ways that, that you can help Dad out. Because this, this story is filled with that kind of, of sentiment.
And whether you barely know your dad or you've grown to resent him, I would tell you, don't, don't do it for him. Don't even do it for him. If that's the case, don't do it for him. Do it for you. Do it for you because it's significant for you. And secondly, do it because it's good and right. And there's always, that's always a good reason to do anything. So here we go. Digging through the text and pulling these out. Four ways that I think that you can help Dad out. Okay? Four ways that, that you can help Dad out. Dad, you can feel free to give me an amen after the one you really want. That lets your family know that's the one you're keen on. All right? Four ways you can help Dad out. Number one, don't demean Dad's character. Don't demean Dad's character. The oldest son walks in scoffs at his dad's ridiculous, sinful, embarrassing situation and walks out to go tell everybody else how bad dad is. It's the first thing he wants to talk about. What do you see on TV? On TV, if they feature a dad in a commercial, he's like the village idiot. Is that not right? You've seen cleaning commercials? Cleaning commercials geared towards women are like... um, Hey, women, here's some cleaning products to help you clean up after your kids and the big kid. And dad's over there, like, coloring on the walls with the children or something. But that's, you know, like, that's, that's the picture of dad. Some of our favorite stories about dad is lamenting about how challenging he is and what a challenge he can be to be around sometimes. I mean, what a hard place to be in as a dad, to be the one who gets very little praise. Two of Noah's sons see that their dad is not very honorable at this moment. He's not very honorable at all in this moment. When they say he lay in the tent uncovered, by the way, in this time, they probably all shared a big tent. And and when you got married, you brought your wife into your mother's tent, a.k.a. your own home. Are you getting the picture there? I mean, what if... You just got married, and you brought your bride home. Said, meet my dad, that's him, naked, passed out in the doorway, drunk. <laughs> like, that's what these sons are having to deal with, with their dad in this moment. And the idea is, honoring dad when he is not very honorable is incredibly challenging. And you got a whole lot of things to say about him in that moment, but what we see from these two sons is honoring dad when he's not very honorable is one of the most rewarding things you can do. So honoring dad, don't demean dad's character. Secondly, um, and, and I'm not giving you license to, to be dishonorable, but, but secondly, you can correct dad when he's wrong. There's this whole idea in scripture of, of, of like, like so, so I'm the pastor here, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff in Scripture that talks about honoring your pastor and listening to your pastor. But then there's equal stuff in there that talks about we're a priesthood of believers. And so we're all holding each other accountable. And so the idea is that I hold you accountable and you hold me accountable. And I think that same truth passes right on to our families. And, and the idea is, as, as I work to hold you accountable, you do that for me, as your, as your father works to, to discipline you, you work to do some of the same for them. And you hold them accountable when they challenge, and you correct dad when he's wrong. That's one of the coolest things in this story to me, is you get two sons, they get to show their dad how to be honorable in a moment when he's not being very honorable at all. And you get them, they get to show him how to take the lead. 
And they lovingly correct their dad in this way. And if you try to correct your dad, may he take it well? Did you always take it well when your dad corrected you? Like, and that kind of thing goes both ways. No, maybe not. Maybe not at all. But, but nonetheless, it's, it's our role to do. You know, after I, after my dad died, so I, that big moment, then I became a dad, and then I just grew up and, and, you know, learned some things about my grandparents and their struggles and maybe some of their shortcomings as a parent. After all those years and those significant life things, I began to cut my dad a lot more slack than I did years before. Did he do some things that were incredibly challenging? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've told you some of those stories. Did he do some things that were challenging? Yes, he did. But I also see that he didn't learn a lot about how to do a lot of things as a dad. He didn't learn how to be patient. Didn't really learn much about healthy marriage. He didn't learn a lot of those things, and he was trying to learn them on the fly. And if it's not hard enough, you know, my dad was somebody who didn't learn a lot of those things and then got married at like like 20 and had a kid at 19. I mean, and threw himself into adulthood without having anyone to really show him how to do that. I mean, sometimes dad needs a little bit of loving correction because there are a lot of things that I just never learned. Some of the best things that, that my wife has done for me is slowly over time correcting me to be better in areas that I'm not very good at. Not parenting me, because <laughs> I don't want that, but just slow correction towards me. Sometimes she does it not as subtle. <laughs> and I don't learn those lessons as well as I do the other ones. But correcting dad, man, a huge thing you can do for him. Molly does it for me. Dad, quit digging in your phone. <laughs> And that's a great reminder. This can wait, whatever this is. Dad, sports are so boring. You know, things are boring now. So sports are so boring. And it reminds me, yeah, I did watch a couple games already this week. I can probably turn this one off. And you can correct Dad in a way that honors him. Here's another one. This is the this next one, this is the reason why I, I feel totally okay telling dad jokes and showing dad jokes even if it pulls you a little bit from this worshipful state. But respect dad's need to be a man. Respect dad's need to be a man. Because your dad will never be your mom unless you're a Jenner. Your dad may become your mom too soon or something. I don't know. But your dad will never be your mom and that's a good thing. It's good that your dad is not your mom. And sometimes, you know, I, you know, my, I, I saw in my own mom when I was a kid, you know, trying to make my stepdad into a, you know, a mom who, who does a lot of mom things. And I see my wife doing it to me sometimes. And, and dad is not going to be mom. And sometimes dads get a bad rap for, for being men. And, and sometimes they really deserve it. Because sometimes, you know, dads just, just want to have a good time. And that's, that's a lot to do with, with being a man. They want to enjoy themselves. And sometimes they get a bad rap and sometimes for a good reason. Because sometimes their fun leads to getting drunk and naked and passing out by the front door. And sometimes it, it leads to things that aren't quite so bad. Like just not getting chores done around the house. And sometimes we get a bad rap for that attitude and, and we've kind of come to deserve it. But I'll also tell you that um, depression rates among men are lower than those among women. 
Maybe it has a little bit to do with, with, with dads recognizing that, man, I, you know, we should do something fun and, and, and throw some of these other things aside. And in the right way, and I really mean in the right way, and I don't, and, and the, the fear here is you can go too far in one direction or go too far in another. But in the right way, mom and dad taking their strengths and balancing each other, that's a good thing. That's a God thing. And so dad being dad is, is a really good thing. Can too much of a good thing be a bad thing? Yes. You know, ask Noah about his vineyard. It can be a bad thing. But a good thing can also be a good thing. And dads being men is a good thing. Because when dads are men, it teaches their sons how to be men. And when dads are men, it teaches their daughters what men should look like. And so don't beat up on dad for, for being a man. Don't demean dad. Don't be afraid to correct dad in the right way. Let's respect dad and, and make sure that, that we're respecting dad as, as a man and, and who he is. But in the midst of all that, don't leave out this absolutely crucial piece. Without this one, none of the rest of them really matter all that much. But we have to love dad. Like, that's a really simple one. But that's a piece that we can't leave out. And for some of you, it's like, well, of course, yeah. But some people, even as I say it, you just think, oh, but, you know, that's not always easy with my dad. Some of your circumstances mean you can't really get that close to your dad. Maybe they died. Maybe they're dangerous. Maybe you just lost contact with them a long time ago. For some of them, they're still here. It's just a little bit weird between you and them. Some of you guys are dads, and now you're beginning to see how it can get weird between you and your children, or you and your son-in-laws or daughter-in-laws. And sometimes it's maybe just a little bit of that. Some of you guys absolutely cherish your dad. And circumstances make it harder or easier, absolutely. But they don't change the fact that our calling is to love our dad. Jesus said, love God, love people. Dad's in there. He's a person. <laughs> he said to love your enemies. Maybe dad's in there. He said to love your brother in Christ. Your dad is somewhere in there. Somewhere along the way, Jesus said that that's someone that you're supposed to love. And he didn't put a caveat on how good or bad or distant or gone your dad is. So if I can finish just, just by talking just by talking to dads for a minute. I let you off the hook most of the time. I got you some help around the house. We tooted your horn. Everybody's going to respect you. Everything's changing after today. I did all that for you, but I want to talk to dads and myself for just a minute. And I don't want to forget the fact that we have a really big job too. We have a really big job, a much bigger job than all of those other four. And the big job is not you know, the laundry or fixing the sink or all the other little jobs that have to be done, our biggest job is to be a reflection. Our, our biggest and primary job is to be a reflection. So you are a picture to your family of the Heavenly Father. And your children and your wife are supposed to learn about what it means to be a follower of Jesus from you. Your children and your family are supposed to learn about what it means to be a follower of Jesus from you, from us. And maybe you have questions about your own faith. Man, ask those. 
Ask those. Deal with them. And that's a great first lesson for your family. That you're a dad who, 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 is, who is dealing with the things that he's struggling with in his face and maybe some of the reasons that he hasn't been a leader. What a great first lesson. That's a great place to start. Ask your, ask your questions and also begin to lead. You lead saying yes to Jesus for salvation and inviting Him to be your Savior. And that's how you begin to lead your family in faith. And then maybe you get baptized. And then maybe you begin discipling your family. And you begin doing the things that God has called you to do as that leader. So that's my prayer for you this Father's Day. That you would cherish, I mean just love it, that you would cherish and grab hold of this awesome calling and responsibility that you have to lead. God, we, I thank you for the gift of fathers. And I thank you that you give us this earthly representation of the Heavenly Father. And I pray that we would be fathers who would be just that. Certainly flawed, certainly sinful, but absolutely working hard to be 